the, the handout. Uh, someone, someone was going to bring the handout around for people who didn't pick it up. Uh, there's Katie with the handout. And that's my little attempt to describe the practice of feeling feelings. I forgot to give my don't leave before the miracle talk before lunch, so probably some people left and hopefully they're experiencing their own miracle. Uh, but I do encourage people to try to stick, stick out the day um, unless there's some you know, commitment you have. It can be really easy, especially you know the afternoon kind of goes on and you're a little sleepy and you just think, oh, well, I think I'll go now. And to kind of just shortchange ourselves in that way and to not, not let ourselves kind of have the full experience. If anyone needs one, you can just say what you're in all Okay, great. So if anyone didn't get one of the handouts, there are some up front here. And I'm going to go over that with you before we start to sit, but I, I just remembered that I didn't complete the uh, announcement dukkha before lunch. So um, I want to announce, let you know about two retreats that I have coming up longer than than one day. Uh, Particularly the Buddhism 12-step retreat uh, that goes uh, October 23rd to the 27th at Bajrapani Institute, which is in Boulder Creek down near Santa Cruz. A lot of times people hear Boulder and they think it's in Colorado. It's... uh, it's um, just above in the Santa Cruz Mountains. And uh, this is the 10th anniversary that Heather Sundberg and I have taught this retreat. And uh, so it was, the first, it was the first retreat that I ever taught, like actual residential retreat that was based on Buddhism and the 12 Steps. And, and it's really been a wonderful uh, tradition for us each year to teach down there in the fall. And so if you are interested in going deeper with your meditation practice in a kind of environment that's uh, supportive of 12 steps and we'll kind of uh, talk about this process in terms of 12 steps uh, and recovery. Um, Consider coming. Uh, We keep the price uh, as uh, manageable as we can so it's uh, probably one of the less expensive retreats even though it's still you know, depending on your finances, might look like a lot. Um, what we do there is that we we spend the morning from before breakfast when we start sitting uh, till afternoon in silence, and we do so. We do walking, sit, sitting meditation, walking meditation. So 
sitting meditation, walking meditation, and of course meals. And then in the mid-afternoon, we do a period of mindful dialogue like we did here, but it go, it, we do it for about an hour and a half. And it's, that's also very powerful, uh, particularly in the context of having been meditating like that. So uh, you're, you're pretty focused and, and we keep it pretty on track. It's not a, it doesn't sort of disperse, we don't want to disperse the energy that gets developed, the kind of uh, intensity that comes from the sitting practice, but uh, it gives you a chance to work uh, both step work and dharma work uh, in a little interaction. And then the evenings, there's a talk, and then we end each evening with a circle, with a kind of meeting, an open meeting, uh, which are also very beautiful and powerful coming out of that silence. It's been a really special experience. Has anybody here been to the retreat with Heather and me? There's someone in the back. There you go. Um, would you like to just say how great it is? Thank you. Beautiful. Uh, so that's October 23rd to the 27th. The other retreat that's coming up that I think is interesting is going to be in Sedona. I've never been to Sedona. But, ooh, I know. So that's, that's and, and I'm co-teaching with a, a friend of mine who's a Qigong teacher. So we're going to kind of bring more movement into it. And he's actually publishing a book on Qigong and 12 Steps. So Greg Pergament, he's a really wonderful guy. He's been, he's actually taught Qigong on the uh, fall retreat before, but uh, we're going to co-teach this. So there are flyers for both those. So enough, enough. We got enough flyers. That's for people who know my CD. That's one of the songs. Anyway, <clears throat> moving right along. So let's look at the feeling feelings handout together, students. So I, I was looking at this, and as I said, you know, I just kind of put this together this week um, based on kind of going into my own book and going, well, is there a process I'm describing here? So it's kind of a funny first question, why am I feeling this way? Because I don't even put in, what am I feeling? So th uh, that seems to be a mistake in terms of how I've written this. So I would say the first question is, what am I feeling? But I think, I guess the... What's, uh, what is kind of a given for this practice is that you're starting in some kind of emotional state. It, it's not really meant to be like, oh, let me go in there and see what's going on when, there, when it doesn't seem like anything's going on, like going and looking for trouble. It's more about, wow, there's some stuff going on. You know? And so that's kind of where I'm starting from with this. And one of the things that I think is really important and what this first question is, is to not judge myself for having the feeling that I'm feeling. 
So why am I feeling this way as far as I know? Kind of do, like what are the obvious causes for this? Like I just got fired or I had a fight or I'm, you know, whatever, you know, disturbance there is. What normal stressors and issues are up for me right now? So I'm kind of acknowledging, okay, I have this feeling. It's okay. There's a reason for this feeling. It's not because I'm a stupid, bad person. Can I accept that there's nothing wrong with having these feelings since life is challenging and I'm experiencing some of those challenges? So that's just kind of just, this is where I'm at right now. So then I kind of take you into this meditative process. Feel the visceral experience of the emotion in the body. I use this word visceral whenever I'm, it's the, it's the word that I've arrived at to try to get this term. And, and it's not that common a word. I know it's not like it's like a weird, that unusual, but I don't hear it used that much. And, you know, viscera are our guts. You know, I think when you, when you, uh, if you um, butcher an animal, you pull out the viscera, it's the guts, right? As far as I know, I, d- I haven't looked it up, but that's my understanding of it. So that, somehow that word gets me like that feeling, like visceral, just it's really felt in there, in my guts, in my, in my organs. So feel the visceral experience of the emotion in the body. Check belly and chest first, because this is the area where the emotions are most obvious, but notice other spots like facial tension, shoulder tightness, back stress, even streams of energy in the, in the limbs. Now, I want to say that when we're talking about emotions in the body, I'm not sure that that's exactly where emotions are. You know, some teachers like uh, Eckhart Tolle will talk about an emotional body. And when, when your eyes are closed and you're feeling a feeling, locating it in space is somewhat of a, uh, there's something a little bit vague about that. It's, it's not, ex- uh, and so uh, in a way at times it feels as if the emotions are kind of around you. You know, it's, the thing is for you to just see if you can find them, you know. It doesn't matter if they're actually in your here or if they're somehow in your aura or, I, I don't know. You just close your eyes and feel what you're feeling right? and see. And, and, but it does help, I think, to locate them somehow in space so that you have a, something, a locus on which to focus. Wow. Hey. I didn't mean to go there. But. So there's something, a place to kind of take the attention, a physical place. You know, because the breath is in a specific place. Uh, and even thoughts... Many people experience thoughts as being somewhere spatial. uh, Notice that. Notice if you experience thoughts as being spatially up here. It's a little scary. uh, So then I say name the feelings if possible, but watch out for reifying the experience with naming. In other words, when you say the name, oh, I feel... uh, does that like make it solid? You know, reify makes, to make real. Does it make it more real than it really is? Breathe and let these feelings continue to express themselves. So I was teaching in Mexico a, a, a 
one of the great uh, pyramid sites a few years ago with a with a Toltec teacher, and uh, there were two teachers. And the woman at one point said, "Emotions are just life moving through you." That I. I put that up on my wall, you know, that was very helpful for me, especially the part that they're moving. They're, they haven't moved in, you know, they're moving through me. And letting the feelings express themselves. So seeing the emotions have a life of their own and they have a lifespan, but they're, they're not me, they're not mine. They're just these feelings that are coming up. And they come and I feel them and I let them, you know. If I don't get interfere too much, they can come and they can go. Notice fear or resistance as, you're, as the feelings are coming up. This is critical, right? And breathe into that as well. So if fear starts to come up, that becomes the feeling, right? It's not like, oh, I don't want the fear. I'm paying attention to some other feeling. It's like, oh, here's another feeling. Fear. So when I, when I say, you know, I often use this term, breathe into. So again, some of this term, terminology, you know, meditation teacher language can get really vague, and, and I try to define my terms as best I can. So for me, breathing into, it usually involves taking a deeper breath and taking my attention to the place where I'm feeling something, but allowing my breath to move in there into that place, because when I breathe, my breath goes into a lot of places. Letting it go in there, and then as I breathe out, the breath kind of can, can kind of take the energy with it, you know, and just relieve the energy. It's kind of like, and this is, I'm sorry, it just came up, it's like flushing the toilet. <laughs> you know, you breathe, and, you, and breathing is like a flushing of our bodies, right? It's flushing out the lungs. I'll try not to use that one again. Sometimes I come up with something I think, I should remember that. I don't think so. (laughs) Notice the feelings change. It's interesting. I didn't say notice that the feelings change. Notice the feelings change. Notice other feelings that arise. So this is the... It's a... What? Thank you. Don't skip six. Watch for thoughts that arise in relation to the feelings. I'm really glad you saw that. So this is the thing. This is where we can really get caught. You know, and the thoughts start to, you know, our minds want to go in and figure it all out. I can fix this. I've got a huge prefrontal lobe. I'll crush those thoughts. I will eat those thoughts. I will think them away. I'll think those feelings away. Those feelings can't resist the power of my ego. Yeah. Drop the thoughts and come back to the feelings and the breath. So it's just just like any other practice. Keep coming back. Notice the feelings change. Notice other feelings that arise. Investigate whether there are feelings beneath the feelings. That's, that's where it gets real. Um, just uh, uh, There's not much I can say about that except 
really, it, this is like the spirit of investigation that keeps looking, that doesn't, you know, say, oh, okay, I've got it now, I see what's going on. It's like, oh, is there something behind this? Is there some, in, for instance, you know, classically we'll say that very often with anger, there's fear, right? And the, but the anger is kind of a loud, busy emotion, and we don't see the fear that's triggering the anger. You know how when somebody cuts you off on the highway, you get angry, right? Well, why do you get angry? Because your body just went into this fear mode, because you, you your life was threatened, so you get angry. So you go, oh, wow, can I feel the fear? Because we don't want to feel the fear. I think we're much happier feeling anger than fear. Anger feels like something you can do something with. Fear is like, oh, no. There's a vulnerability in fear. But this practice is definitely about being vulnerable. If feelings are painful, consider doing loving kindness or compassion practice for yourself. Be careful not to do this out of aversion or fear or the desire to get rid of the feeling. Do loving kindness out of compassion for a being who is suffering. You. That's the subtle difference that, again, bring mindfulness to the intention behind your action. Bring that mindfulness, oh, and if you can feel the suffering as just suffering, not as me, then you can say, oh, this being is suffering. May you be happy. And you can embrace yourself. You can hold yourself in compassion. Trust the process and follow your heart-mind where it takes you from here. And the one other thing I will add right now to this is be sure to take time. If you start to work with this feeling or this practice on a regular basis, take a time to not do this because it can become... It can become narcissistic, kind of like, what am I feeling, what am I feeling, what am I feeling, 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 feeling. And, and it, and it be, can become heavy, too. It can be like, oh, I have so many feelings. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just have to step out and be with the breath and just notice thoughts and just kind of be a little more easeful. So watch out for making it into this project and this heavy thing. But if it seems like... So, so really... The, the goal of this practice, the short-term goal of this practice, this form of this practice, is to go in, connect with the feelings, and allow them to pass. So that over a period of time, I would say like a 15-minute period of working with this, you would want to get to a place where kind of the feelings fell away and you were kind of felt more present. That's ideally, obviously, you know, you don't want to set up like, oh, this is what Kevin said was supposed to happen. It's not like that, but that's kind of what we're working towards here. Not to, I just want to hang out in my feelings all the time, but rather I want to kind of feel and allow the feelings to to play out through mindfulness. Because the thing that usually keeps feelings alive is not giving them space not paying attention to them, but the way your mind just gets agitated by them and keeps pushing and struggling and trying to figure them out. But this practice is just supposed to be like, fine, I feel, just come on, bring it on. And let me just feel it, I'll allow it, because I know that if I just allow it, it will play out. 
and usually it will, and you'll come, you'll, your mind will kind of settle, and then you'll, very often I think you'll find that your meditation goes deeper then, uh, more into stillness and, and, and real serenity through allowing this to come through. So I'm going to work with the other practice later today, but I just want to see if there were any questions uh, on that. I know this wasn't in the uh, description of the day long, so. Should uh, I go ahead without the microphone? Yeah, I don't know where the microphone is. It's just. You want to wait? You want to wait? Might as well. Sure. Uh, when you say the work is about vulnerability, I'm very cautious, in, in, and I believe in being cautious, not just yeah. being ridiculously. Vulnerable. I don't think it's a it's a right. measure of some kind of um, beneficial way to to be open just about anything. There has to be discernment because right. the, you know it's almost like being a warrior out in the yep. world or something. Yeah. So if you could comment on vulnerability. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, you know, absolutely. I appreciate that, and, and um, that's partly what I'm kind of saying about. You know, don't just stay in this practice to kind of open to it, but to, not to, uh, you want to, um, yeah, we need boundaries. And where, where it feels safe and useful, you know, we explore it. I mean, if we, obviously, if we never let ourselves really feel our feelings, we're really just kind of uh, shrinking our lives uh, you know, if we don't allow ourselves to feel. But... Uh, it's something else if we're if that's what all we're all we're doing is just kind of like um, you know being awash in our feelings all the time and and yeah there's a time for uh, when we're ready for this and and times when we're not you know and so uh, it's not something I'm saying oh everybody go home and do this today and start doing, you know, uh, I'm just offering this as if it seems like it fits with where you're at, you know, to work with it. Thanks. Yes, back here. There's a couple more questions. Great. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, so you said that the goal of this particular practice is to go in and connect and then allow those feelings to pass. Mm -hmm. My experience is when I set a goal like that, I have a tendency to tighten down because now I'm doing my practice to achieve something, to get rid of my feelings, not to be with them and to explore them and allow the natural flow to pass through. Mm -hmm. But now I have a new tool that I'm going to use to get, you know, Mm -hmm. to change. And um, so I think that that's, again, it's the word today for me has been subtle. There's a subtle uh, difference there. Absolutely. And, And the reason I brought up that as an end point was because I didn't want people to get stuck in the middle point. And I want you to see that, that there is a, an arc to the process. Um, and, uh, and 
with with all practice, we ha there are always goals in practice. It's not that they're not there. The, the imp what's important isn't to not have goals, but to but to see what your relationship to that goal is. If there is a grasping or an expectation, there will be suffering. But if you don't have a goal, then there's no real clarity of intention and purpose. So uh, you want to know where you're aiming, have some sense of that. But mindfulness, we bring mindfulness along as our companion at all times to see how, what kind of effort am I making. And that's, that's a critical uh, part of this practice and any practice. But thank you for bringing that up so we can be very clear about that. Yes, back here. I was uh, wondering if you could talk more about nine, um, because I feel like yes. it's really easy to, or for me, to not know if I'm just avoiding a feeling mm. or if I really need to be sitting with it in meditation. For instance, last night I was extremely depressed and my roommate suggested I meditate. Mm -hmm. And I said, and then my instant thought was, if I were to meditate right now and try and clear my mind, would that be me avoiding mm -hmm. the feelings that I'm having right now? Mm -hmm. Well, again, this is one of those things that no one can tell you what's the right thing to do in a given moment. And, and this is why, uh, this, this is why th this is not a fundamentalist practice, again, why it's not a black and white practice. There are kind of guidelines, and then you have to kind of make choices for yourself and see what the results are of those choices, and then tweak your you know, path and your effort as you go along. What I, the way I kind of see this as a process is that if you go in and really allow yourself to feel the feelings, at a certain point, it's like, okay, I have felt this. I really have allowed this to be there. Now, is there something wise to do in response to it? Because this practice is not a practice of passivity. Uh, the, the Buddha has right effort as part of the Eightfold Path. So it's not that we're just supposed to sit there and accept everything the way it is. But we have to first see clearly what things are without resistance and just allowing it. But once we've seen it clearly, then we may need to make a choice. Do I, is, sometimes seeing clearly is enough to burn something off or whatever. It just like, it disappears. Okay, like a lot of times I'll notice I'm thinking and as soon as I notice it, the, st the thought stops. Great. So I don't need to do anything more. Other times, I might find that I'm really caught up in something and I realize, oh, I'm having that thought and then I need to do something about that. Like, I need to make amends to that person or I haven't dealt with this problem and I realize there's some action that needs to be taken. Or, as in this example, I realize, okay, I've got this feeling. I'm really allowing myself to feel this feeling. I'm not pushing it away. But now I've kind of moved into another viewpoint, which is rather than being in the feeling, I'm actually observing the feeling, and I want to offer something to that. And I find that there are t times when 
if there is not, no resistance to the feeling, and I felt it fully, if I bring compassion and kindness to it, it can help to heal that, and it can help to me to move through it. If I, on the other hand, I mean, I have the, the example in my book during one of these sections, it was someone coming up to me and saying, oh, you know, when I'm meditating, I have all these uh, uh, s thoughts of self-hatred. So my teacher told me I should do loving kindness for myself. And I said, well, that, that to me seems like a shortcut. You're skipping something. It's like, oh, I'm having all these negative thoughts. I'll send myself loving kindness to make them go away. That to me is skipping allowing myself to feel them. So if you're having all these negative thoughts, it's like, okay, what's going on? What are all these negative thoughts? There's a feeling. So let me feel that feeling. But at the end of that, then to do some loving kindness can be a nice way to work with it. But if I try to jump right to the loving kindness, that's when I think there's a risk of short-circuiting the process. Okay? Good. Lovely. Over here. These are good questions today. Um, so, being with feelings, how it is written, it is focused more on negative feelings. Of course. I'm a negative kind of a guy. <laughs> and isn't it also equally important to focus and be really be with the positive feelings? Yes. Thank you. It is. And what's... Well, first of all, yeah. I mean, it's, it's really, I think, very helpful to pay attention when we're feeling something positive to really embrace that. Just the way I talked about feeling the, the pleasure of generosity, feeling joy when we're having fun. You know, um, it's interesting, one of the things that I noticed on an early retreat was that whether I was in, uh, a, a, whether I was happy or sad, I still generated thoughts, you know, because I, I was kind of one retreat thinking, God, you know, I'm feeling really bad. And then I was like, oh, finally, I'm feeling so much better. And, and thinking that once I started think, feeling better, my mind would calm down, but it didn't. I don't know what, that's, maybe that's just a sidebar comment. Uh, but, um, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, my, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I guess I, you know, I focus on the difficult feelings because Uh, well, partly, obviously, because that's what I've had to do, uh, but also because I think that's where people get stuck more. Um, but what I w will say, and I think to agree with you, is that the it's a mistake to um, to overlook positive feelings because because then there is a tendency to think, oh, I'm never really very happy because you don't really notice it. So. So it's very, it is really helpful to notice, wow, I'm really feeling good today and just being reinforcing that for yourself, that, that awareness. And yeah, and feeling what it feels like in the body. Uh, it's, it's very interesting to feel what happy, happiness feels like in the body. Uh, it, there, for me, there, there's a distinct energetic difference in those, those feelings. So, yeah, thank you. 
So, all right, let's do some sitting. And uh, I'm going to give a lot less meditation instruction during this period and let people uh, work as, uh, as you see fit once we get settled in. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.